in between the town I grew up in and another town, which was alongside the shore of Lake Michigan, there was a nuclear power facility. And it was kind of funny because it was the kids in my school district all got to take a field trip to the nuclear power plant when they were in, I think, fifth or sixth grade. It was a tradition. And so my uh, my brother, my brother went for some reason I never did, but he came back. They actually gave them a little radio. I swear it was radioactive pedal uh, pebble. And my brother told me that the tour they got, the guy giving it had said he would ask the kids where they lived all around in our county and when my brother told him where we lived he had said like he gave them exact estimates on how if there were a nuclear power breach how fast it would get to where we lived and so uh we were way out in the country and so he said it would be exactly 17 minutes before it got to my house and so this was in this was in the 80s and um like as an 80s kid we were still I, at least where I'm from we were still doing like um evacuation drills of getting under the desk and things like that and the you know the cold war was still definitely it was the tail end but it was still definitely in effect and so it wasn't really until the ussr disbanded that that fear kind of went away and i had i had reoccurring nightmares the whole time i was a kid about not even i never even went to that place myself it was just from driving by it on the way to my aunt's house and my brother having told me this is what they said and so we lived way out in the country and we were on the last couple of acres of what had been my dad's family's homestead behind us there was a forest and then there was a really steep embankment that went down to a creek and I played in the creek a lot because it was a cool way to get away from everyone (laughs) when I was a kid but so I would have these dreams about I don't know if I'd read this but I was convinced that if I could get all of our animals it wasn't my family just our animals get them down into the creek and be down the embankment that that was the safest place so I'd have these dreams about um, trying to get our golden retriever lovey down there and then with just this wall of fire coming at us. Obviously that never happened. And like I said, the um, anxiety about all of the nuclear war stuff definitely eased up in probably the early 90s, I think was when that happened, when the USSR disbanded. But it still cracks me up that they they thought it was a really good idea to send kids to a nuclear power plant and tell them, you know, doom may be coming. If it does, it's going to take this many minutes exactly. Welcome to Broken Corners. My name is Armando. This is Karen. And I would like to take apart that story. (laughs) I'm just going to run right in. This week, we're going to talk about... Doom. Doom. Dun, dun, dun. Um, It's funny. I'm having a hard time uh, gathering my thoughts. We didn't have that in New York City. Um, Yeah. You know, I don't... Why are you having a hard time? Well, I just find it weird that, like, Tracy, my partner, Mm -hmm. she had the same kind of and she's a little older than us but also the same kind of like doomsday fears mm. of like you know nuclear power plant and or nuclear war and things like that like, which is like a carryover like you said it's a carryover from the cold war yeah and i think i mean when during the cuban missile crisis was probably at its height right like, right i even remember there was an episode of macgyver which i loved when i was a kid i think it was on <laughs> sunday night i remember we were having we were having this defrosted chocolate cake that my mom bought at the Sarah the Sarah Lee knockoff store <laughs> yeah. yeah well not knockoff what do they call it the like thrift store yeah yeah, yeah. the day old 
place. So she would always stock up. Back outlet, factory, outlet, something like that. Yeah, outlet. Yeah, there's one for Intamins around the corner, like two. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. But yeah, we were having we were having this cake for dessert while we watched MacGyver, and there was this episode where this woman and her dog ended up trapped in a facility where there was a radiation leak. And the way that I never forgot the way that it aged them, and it just like that just haunted me for yeah. years. But the, wait, so you're saying that you didn't do drills or evacuation no, I, drills? I, I, or I anything? honestly can't recall any drills. Um, I started kindergarten. I don't know what year. It would probably be 1980, 81. Mm-hmm. I also went to Catholic school, so maybe, same. Maybe that's a thing. Oh well, then I don't. I, I just, <laughs> listen. I live in New York City, where they're like, you know what? The the lead, the lead in the paint, <laughs> right? Is going to kill us. Well, they were before. I, well, maybe any. they were just like, there's no point in trying to evacuate. Yeah. If it hits, it hits. Like you're not going anywhere. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think, and I I find that funny. Like what certain focus on focus on because if you go under a desk, it's not going to help. No, of course not. <laughs> like it's. I mean, I know what it is. It's to make everyone feel like there is some sort of hope yeah so like if you tell children to go under a desk like oh you might survive this you're not. Right. But hey, I'm going to lie to you and tell you that, right? Well, it's one thing to say in an earthquake, stand in a door frame, right? That makes sense. Yes. But as far as... Going under a desk. Oh, God. So you were frightened, like, because you, like, it, may, it makes sense if you're scared, like, if, you, if you're an anxious child... And you provide like ammunition for that anxiety. Mm-hmm. Here you are. <laughs> like the funny thing is, nobody else ever talked about it. I just thought about it on my own for years, and never. It wasn't something that. I mean, there there was all the like Reagan era. Yeah, the Soviets are bad kind of bullshit. But right. um, it's. Yeah, I had a very definite focus on... Well, I also... I always had a plan when oh, I was oh, a kid. What, what was this? You were a doomsday prepper? <laughs> was that what your thing was? In Just in life, I was. because yeah. my So my friend, uh, my best friend from middle school and high school, Margo, she always said that I was like Larry from Perfect Strangers. Remember okay. how he'd be like, I have a plan! Right. Because I always had a plan... This, this is going to sound way sadder than I feel about it. Okay. Uh, I always had a plan to run away. Right. And I lived in the country. And so like there were little sheds and things on different, you know, there were these great big, you know, swaths of land that there were no houses on, but there'd be a little shed or something. And I would always keep sort of a map of those in my head. And then I had this full plan of how I had this old school, um, long wooden wagon. And yeah. so I was just convinced I could pack everything I needed in the wagon, attach it somehow to my bike and just get the hell out of there. Yeah. So I always had a plan for that. So I think I have always sort of been. And you had your money in a fridge. Like <laughs> well, I didn't, I didn't have money in the... No, not yet. Okay. I, was, I wasn't old enough yet right, to right, have any okay. money in the freezer. Yeah. But I don't... But what's funny is I don't focus... Like, I don't get on the subway and think, how am I going to get out of here? I don't... I mean, if I'm on a plane, I listen to the... I listen to the emergency talk, but I don't I don't worry about it. I don't worry about dying. No, but it's more... You know, it's, it's gotten to a point where the doomsday preppers are actually not really worried about realistic situations. They're more worried about zombies now. And what? Yeah. So it's like it's this whole preparation for like this like post-apocalyptic dystopic uh, future that may or may not happen. And do they do they have an affiliate? Like, do they have a group? Do they get together? No, I mean, there's like TV shows. Are they like now. reenactors? Yeah, they're totally <laughs> reenactors. No, and I think it's it's a little. My thing about doing say prepper, it, I feel like you might be at a place where you're good. If, if that's what you're worrying about instead of like immediate issues. Oh, what yeah. like Maslow's hierarchy of need? <laughs> yes. Like if you can yes. focus on doomsday prepping, yeah. then you're maybe everything clearly your current housing and food needs are right. taken care yeah. of. Yeah. And maybe not, but I mean like, 
I don't know. Maybe worry about the actual crises that are in your life. Yeah. I don't know what they are, but I mean. Well, are you? Is there anything that you prep for? Ayo. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, it was funny. Like when I used to like when I used to go to clubs and stuff, I would always look for the exit just in case there was a fire. Oh yeah. You know, and stuff like that. Uh, I don't like clubs, but because I always felt it was way too crowded. Mm. But um, I would always want to know where the exits were. I didn't really prep for anything. It's yeah. Just like I mean, you, you know, not nothing in in regards to a disastrous moment that's about to happen. My but my thing is like, what's what's worse, like the nuclear option, like what, like what's what's like what's on your mind, like right now with regards to doom, doom. Well, it's not, I haven't really been worried about nuclear stuff at all. Just funny because there's plenty of that going around these days too. But oh, um, there's a lot of it. actually, you know how I watch I watch these panel game shows that are british all the time on youtube yeah uh there's this guy david mitchell who cracks me up and he um he was saying like i don't if there's a new um incident i don't want to live i don't want to live through it and he he said well because if we have to start the human race from scratch like panel shows are a good two thousand three thousand years out and i i can't do anything else um no okay so i've been having i've been having a sort of general sense of doom the last few weeks ever since i read a bunch of articles in a bunch of different places about how environmentally we have reached the tipping point where we can't go back yeah. with the um, the methane mm-hmm. coming up. So there's not just... So, I, you know, I think like people all try to take responsibility individually for things and we try to recycle and, um, you know, even our recycling doesn't go that well yeah, a, a lot of the time. Um, just, you know, it's very well intended, but does not really... Municipalities don't have the resources to actually yeah, recycle. I think it's like 10% out of the yeah and and i think because we focus so much on on individual responsibility when the reality is that it's corporations doing these you know these massive just just taking these steps that have these huge impacts on the environment and if that doesn't change there's no way to stop it and then on top of it you can't, we kind of can't stop it anymore because it's heated up so much that yeah. the um, the ice sheets are melting and yeah, it, they're not. Well, it's not just that the water is rising; it's that the methane that's trapped under the ice sheets is going to come out, and then that is going right. to exponentially right. increase the global warming. So, yeah, we're it's done. No, I so it, here's my thing. <laughs> but it makes me feel I can't like it. I felt for the there's so many things I've been ignorant about for so long. And I always thought I was relatively well informed, but it's been done. It's been done for 30 years. Yeah. And it just makes me it makes me feel like I'm in a sci fi story. I hear what you're saying. But my thing is this. We're villains. OK. So it's, the Earth is the hero of the story. And, she, mm. and she's going to get her comeuppance. Or no, we're going to get her <laughs> comeuppance. Somebody's getting their comeuppance. <laughs> like, basically... Um, that as a narrative isn't particularly satisfying to me. It satisfies me because it's like, we took something for granted. Mm. And, the, the you know, like, it's, it's we're taking advantage of a planet that has given us basically life. Yeah. And now, like, hey... Well, so that that was one the thing I read about. The planet's fighting back. <laughs> the planet's fighting back. <laughs> yeah. um, you know how, like, the climate change deniers would always just say it's it's just cyclical. Mm-hmm. Of course, it was just going to get hot sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I don't agree with. But then, as far as what I was reading, where they were talking about the methane coming up, it's happened before. Yeah. I don't know exactly what the time frame was, how many thousands of years, but the planet has recycled itself. Sure before and so then it's just a matter of saying do we have something 
how much do we have to lose? We have a lot. Well, we have a lot, but then in sort of like the larger sense, it's, you know, the, what is, what is the value of, of human life? Like has, as far as the planet sort of cleansing itself, if it's happened before, is humanity different enough that it is such a loss? And does it like, what, what could we, could we fix it? And yeah, I don't know. That's what I've been thinking about lately. uh, It reminds me of, uh, did you see the matrix too? Yeah. And it's garbage, but... Um, <laughs> I can't remember a whole lot about so it. So they were talking about like how they've had several several Neos. Which one's he? Uh, Keanu Reeves. We're back on the Reeves. Oh, okay. Oh! <laughs> so like the, the, basically the, the idea um, of the one has come up several times to a certain point where it meets the architecture, the architect, and the architect is the all like the, I guess, the god of program. Right. Of the whole matrix. Well, it's totally like a mythological archetype, so it would make sense that they would embed that in the system. Yeah, so it's basically like, it's a whole, like, you know, like, you know, it's a whole, like, computer system, and we're just, like, in there, and we're whatever. So, um, and this idea of rebellion um, comes up every so often. So there's been numerous, uh, the ones, if you will. Yeah. And they all usually they 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 get to the architect and they're given an option. Mm-hmm. So you know what is the option to continue to fight and like so basically um, that system kind of resets itself, right? So this idea of rebellion coming from and then everything just kind of starts all over. So like it's expected to have rebellion, kind of allow that rebellion, and then see what happens. And then the rebellion is expected to just fold right into the whole thing. Mm. So it kind of reminds, that's what I think about the earth is like, well, we've had this, now we're going to do it, and then we're going to reset ourselves, and we're going to have a better race of people. Mm. Humana, if you will. I mean, it's just quite a roll of the dice to think that the evolutionary, you know, criteria would happen so that, you know, that humans happen or that, you know, some other sentient species happens. Yeah, I mean, I I guess, but are you just worried about like everyone just dying? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, well, and, <laughs> and you have a child. I know, but like, I, I think she's got a good 50 years. We got a good 50 years left. Yeah. I mean, if she has children, that's on her. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, partially it seems very sad. And then also, uh, I don't like the idea of giving up. So, so then, oh, and I read, I had, um, I had, I don't know why, but decided to read Octavia Butler. (laughs) And so I had started with, um, Kindred. Have you, do you know her? I know who she is. Um, I, I've never read anything, um, by her. Okay. So she's a, for, you know, for the listeners, she's a, a black lady author of sci-fi and she died just a couple of years ago. Cancer, right? I'm not sure. Yeah. But she has she has a very distinctive voice and I so I read Kindred at first, which is an amazing book that's about a woman who somehow she's a she's a black woman married to a white man in LA in the seventies and something triggers her to time travel to Maryland in the eighteen hundreds where one of her um forefathers is a slave owner and she keeps having to save him. <laughs> Uh, in traveling back and forth and and Octavia Butler did um even though there's that sci-fi concept as the the main conceit she did a massive amount of historic research and so right. everything about the treatment and daily life of the slaves um was all based on fact and it was it was rough just a lot of maiming a yeah. lot of maiming i don't know the 
when you know just the what the idea of having full power over another person yeah i mean i know i i don't know it that that hit me in a different way than other historic fiction i've read and so then i moved on to um she has a two book series that goes in the other direction which goes to the future Mm -hmm. although it's not it's just a few years off from now right but where climate change and problems with the economy have just turned all of america into um such a shit show that a lot of people lived in walled communities and they're not they're not well off at all but to the people on the street people they seem like it and so this the main character grows up in relatively middle class circumstances because she's in one of these walled communities in a suburb of LA and then in the she, but she always, her father is sort of the minister to their little community, and she has a different belief system that she comes up with on her own than him, where her idea is that God is change. Mm. And I never quite was able to wrap my head around some of her, that character's religious concepts, but eventually uh, people come and ram through the gate of their little community and, you know, rape everybody and steal everything and burn everything. And so she sets off on her own. Mm-hmm. And eventually she, like, she gathers people as she's going up the freeway in California because everybody's trying to get north to where water won't be so expensive and where there may still be jobs. And right. um, so she gathers all these people to her as she goes and then starts what this group called Earthseed, which is essentially a cult, but a really nice cult. And her idea is that heaven is literal and that it's the space program that mm-hmm. they need to be able to go to space space. it's it was really interesting and it's it's funny because i've been talking with i something had come up about the space program brian and i were talking and he he was just like it's such a fucking waste of money but it's like he he said how can you focus on anything like that when people are suffering so much here but the thing that was amazing about that character was she met people's needs right where they were, whatever that was, whether it was, you know, sharing water with people or protecting them from other people. But then also she was as a human being was complex enough to say, we can focus on more than one thing at a time. And we're not at a place now, you know, to create a space program as we're gypsies with no resources wandering up a highway, but the day will come and we have to keep a plan in mind to do it. So yeah, maybe that's part of why I've been thinking about doom as well. That, but I, that, that to me is hopeful. The idea that we could have the capacity to do more because what I keep thinking is like with the, so I I read about how um, Exxon and I think Shell they predicted all of this. They, you know, they engaged scientists, you know, who totally said all of this was coming and they just marked those reports internal and sat on it and then did everything they could to, you know, to block regulatory bodies. And what I keep wondering is like with, with the rich, aren't they going to lose eventually too? Or or, they're going to Mars. Well, that's the thing is, do they think that they'll be able, technology will save them? They're going to Mars. Like that they'll just be able to throw enough resources at it. I mean, I, that well, they can I, fix it because eventually, like they're they're going to be living on a boiling planet too. I don't. I mean, th- thankfully, there's never been like a huge like scenario. I mean, all we have is movies to like go by on like Doomsday, like, like oh. you know what I mean. So like you know, um, I mean, I guess the the plague would have sort of been one because that caused a lot of we economic alive. restructuring. What's that? We weren't alive. We weren't alive, no. So, I mean, the only, like, all I have is movies. So, what's that movie where they all have to go to Mexico? Um, because it's, like, all, like, the United States is all, like, frosted over with, like, Dennis Quaid and, uh, to- not Toby McGuire, um, the Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, I don't know that one. The Day After Tomorrow, I think it is. Mm. I didn't see it. I just know they all had to go to Mexico. And I'm trying to think of other things. Yeah, I mean, I don't. 
I don't worry about those things. I, I just didn't realize it was over. It's not over. Somebody's going to build something. I just don't understand why but, you just can't throw a nitrogen bomb into something and then freeze the water again. You should raise that with somebody. Yeah. Well, so that's the thing, right? Somebody has so tell like, me why you can't. I was thinking about this. So I'm not I'm not great with science. Me I'm a, I'm a words gal. That's did what just, I do professionally, you know? Did you just hear my last statement? Yeah. Throw a nitrogen bomb into something. <laughs> what, do you think made me, what, what do you think made me think of what I'm about to say? No, so like one thing I hate, one thing I really love about living in New York is not having a car, even though sometimes I want one because I hated the fact that this machine, I didn't understand how it worked and I was so dependent on it and whenever it broke down I was just like I don't know I hate that so I feel like that about this larger science stuff where I don't know I don't know if I actually have the capacity to understand it enough to make a difference but I don't think I I don't see how I can say it's not like somebody else who does know will take care of it yeah well I mean your personality is like all right now you're invested so you want you don't want to feel helpless and you want to feel like you could actually dig your feet in and probably make a difference or well, at least like see how you can make a difference. I'm, I don't know. I mean, I'm not actually, I don't think I'm that focused on how I feel about it. It's more about what's actually going to happen. What's going to happen? I'm not a climate denier. Uh, no, I mean, listen. Shit's I mean, the water, the water's rising and the temperature's rising, and there are whole countries that are going to be under the water. Yeah. And this is going to be around the time we're dying. Yeah, it's going to be good. It's coming. It's it, coming. We'll, we'll and be I, out of here. but see what this I'll, is. You know, I'll like it's punched. We're good. <laughs> I mean, how many times have we like laughed about flat earthers and things like that? So it makes me feel like I'm talking a little bit like a crazy person or conspiracy theory e, but it's not. It's no, all it's been not. documented. It's been documented no. for decades. And what a flat earther would say was if the earth was round, it would just fall right off. Just hang off the bottom <laughs> on the shady side. Shady side gonna be plenty cool. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I I know this is I mean, obviously well, do do doom is a little bit of a, a dark topic. I mean, I feel like this is a downer. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, listeners. No, I I I don't uh, I, I, I want I just wanna I wanna believe we have the capacity to do more. I wanna believe I have the capacity to do more. I, I tell you one thing, and and this current uh, administration See. of ours doesn't provide hope. Right. About things. I mean, the EPA choices, uh, the regulations that were removed with regards to, like, dumping. The methane. Yeah. Yeah. Or just dumping uh, waste into, like, water or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you definitely have a valid argument to be um, not hopeful <laughs> um, and to feel some sort of way about it. Uh, I just hope that, I don't know. There, Yeah. I got nothing. I mean, it, it just it, feels very sci-fi. You know what I mean? Of, it is sci-fi that a dystopic future is on its way, right? Like, I mean, and yeah. then we're all going to have to, like, shoot each other for water. Mad Max is really what we're looking at. I am not into that. But you know, I, I don't want to give up either. But, man, yeah. that's a rough one. Especially, I think, for me, one of the issues that I have is, while, while I don't really feel that dread, mm-hmm. I do feel frustrated because there are so many options that can be done mm-hmm. with regards to solar power, wind power, like all these different types of things <laughs> yeah. that we actually can be doing to 
try try and minimize uh even if it's buying an extra five years or whatever like right because even if even if it is too late we should at least be trying we should be you know like in the flintstones when they drag their feet for breaks right we could at least go for that well i mean not for nothing i mean with this the true one of the true ideas of being an american is to be like never like give up right like that's like an ideal like idealistic like like you're always the underdog rah rah well i'm a big fan of euthanasia (laughs) It's a dark episode, you guys. Thailand? What? Euthanasia? (laughs) (laughs) I am a big fan of Thailand. (laughs) I love a hot and spicy coconut soup. No, I'm all for having a plan. I'm all for accepting reality. Right. And of, I don't know. Yeah, I'm feeling really, like, lame-o having said all this because it's it seems really it just seems really naive but i i just didn't know i didn't know i thought i was i always thought it it was always presented in everything i heard is it's you know we have to we have to pump the brakes we have to pump the brakes and instead it's just like good i mean they're even emergency brake maybe not gonna work yeah i mean there are so many smart people out there who are doing who who i think have the capacity to make a dent in some of this yeah I just don't know if their voices are heard. Well, so like, here's what I always wondered. I always told Brian my theory was that rich people would save us from climate change eventually. Mm-hmm. Because when New York goes underwater and they lose right. billions of dollars, that's yeah. the technical currency amount. You know, they're be, they're going to lose too along the lose. way. They're going to lose. Yeah, I, I think I think part of the reason is things like solar power and wind power. They don't know how to make money off of it yet. Right. So once that they figure that out, it's like, oh, well, I can make money off of this and now we can save the world yeah but at what point does their currency become meaningless when there's no you Um, know if listen listen, uh, it's weird that you can't solve this just off the bat i'm gonna listen we could (laughs) get a pot of coffee (laughs) yeah fire it up get tracy down here get tracy down here i'm sure she has ideas yeah and uh no yeah i mean I, i i feel your frustration but i'm also because that's a tough thing to put on your shoulders yeah well that's the thing is i i i mean i kind of know i can't fix it fix it but i do think i could contribute but i think we all could yeah totally but i I think that like with regards to even what we were talking about before with regards to recycling and and the percentage that's used is not enough yeah Um, the idea of like um i don't even know if like composting really if it's stuff like that no because they can't they can't handle that either at least here in new york the composting program yeah it's 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 it's, just it's almost it's it's just how to create maggots outside my bedroom window is what it is yeah yeah and smelly like yeah but it's also like a way to bureaucratically save face yeah look look what we're doing in advertising spent a lot of money on advertising of what we're doing to make things better but the actual outcome is not really helping right you're actually spending money on paper and killing trees to yeah to promote that but it's not really working and it it locate it it places the you know the responsibility on the individual right it says we have the systems in place you do your part well also i think it's also pill to make people feel better so if i'm the government and i say we have recycling we have composting all you have to do is do your part. Right. So now I am composting religiously because mm-hmm. you're going to give me a ticket anyway. I'm also recycling. And now my conscience, my conscience is clear. Mm. I think I've done my part. Right. Because I have religiously every week, because I don't want a ticket, done these things. But you're not holding up your end of the bargain. Right. As a city, as a government, or you know what I mean? So like it's, it's like a pill to kind of like put people at ease and they don't have to worry about it. 
Right. So you have been unplugged from the Matrix, my second Matrix reference, <laughs> and now you're seeing that it's not working. Right. Well, we got to do something. I'm going to keep recycling. I like to recycle. Yeah, I do too. It kind of like, I, I really then hope. Anna the- totally bummed me out because she had read a huge article about how little actually ends up being recycled because if you put apparently one piece of something in that can't be recycled, they throw the whole bag away. So I had been putting straws in because the whole don't yeah. have the straws go out into the ocean thing. And she was like, yeah, so every time you do that, they're just throwing out the whole bag. No, to me, that's just like... A lazy priority or Well, why can't directive? they recycle it? Yeah, like, but it's a lazy directive, right? It's like, listen, we we have something from City Hall saying if there's a straw in there, you got to throw out the whole bag you, instead of just going... Oh, I yeah. <laughs> instead of just picking it out. Well, because... So, yeah. Whereas, like, in Asia, um, in certain areas, they have, like, entire cities that all they do is sort recycling. Yeah. And then put it, you know, put it in different just categories so that then you can do different things with it. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I would, we have so much plastic in the world. Why can't we just start building houses out of plastic? Yeah. Or something. I don't know. Bulletproof breasts. Something. Bulletproof breasts? Yeah, bulletproof vests. Oh, vests. <laughs> Why? That, that, Why would you have said breasts? I mean, that's a good idea, too. I think, my, I, think I stumbled on my... <laughs> <laughs> it was that stroke that I was having at that moment. But hey, bulletproof breast? Yeah. I mean, why would you not want that? <laughs> Did you ever read any Madeline Lingell? No. Who is that? So she is an author of young adult literature from the 70s and 80s-ish. That, oh, that Ava DuVernay? Yeah, I know. Um, she just had the... Oh, the... um. Is it The Wind in the Door? No, no, it's, it's the, the other one. It's the one with Chris Pine and the young girl. Yeah, um, which I never ended up seeing, even though I wanted to. Miracle in Time, right? Oh, yeah. Something in Time. Miracle in Time? Not Miracle. Um, Some, this mir- is terrible. Miracle in Ice? <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're talking about. The one produced by Oprah Winfrey. Yeah. Um, so Madeline Gell, I don't know her whole story, but uh, she, she wrote things from both a sort of Christian and scientific viewpoint. That's weird. Yeah, and it I didn't realize until maybe 10 years ago that she's why I think everything I think about religion, or a lot of things I think about religion. But one of her books, so there was the three, A Wrinkle in Time. Oh, A Wrinkle in Time. So there's there's a, a trilogy that Madeline Gell wrote. So it's A Wrinkle in Time, A Wind in the Door, and A Swiftly Tilting Planet. Okay. And A Swiftly Tilting Planet, it's, oh, it's a hard one to explain, but there's... There's a situation where there's probably going to be a nuclear war right mm-hmm. at Thanksgiving. And her, uh, the main character's parents are both scientists and one is an advisor to the president. And her younger brother has always had these sort of odd kinetic communicative abilities. And so he ends up going out on a walk and there's this rune that their mother, the one character's mother-in-law, has said really oddly at the dinner table at Thanksgiving. And the kid goes out and calls this rune and this unicorn comes. And it's a time-traveling unicorn and takes him through all these different eras. And the the main premise of it is that, that basically time is a wheel and the future can influence the past sure. and the present and all that. And so through his sort of interventions of going and spending time Just within different people in this... the whole yeah the whole thing that then the south american dictator who's about to launch the nuclear strike ends up being you know instead of being mad dog branzillo or whatever then he's you know el zarco the blue eyes he's you know a man of peace by the time the kid gets back at the end of it all and um i don't know this is i don't know what my point is It, it was it was that kind of gave me hope yeah hope i don't know not hope for a unicorn to come but 
But just the, I don't know. I do think, I do think the the loss of all humanity would be a big loss. I do. I think, you know, I, I'm not saying compared to other life forms in the universe, if there are, but I think, I do think we, I mean, I think the loss of the animals is a big loss too, but I, I just, I do think, yeah, I no, do think I, humanity means something. I, that doesn't seem like a crazy position to me to defend. No, it's not a crazy position. I think what I'm going to say is probably the crazy position. <laughs> Bring it. When I was being uh, interviewed to be a part of um, the uh, Mellon undergraduate uh, program, they I had there was a huge panel of people. It was like ten professors who were interviewing me to be a part of this program. Yeah, and we started talking about basically the Caribbean, just assimilation and things of that nature. And basically, I had I took a heart hard stance of like i don't think that all the unfair treatment whether it be slavery murder rape is enough to justify our being today your being like us living today and our all the suffering of everyone that's been that's happened in the past is not enough to celebrate our humanity why would the suffering be what what would what i'm saying is we are in my opinion, we're a terrible, terrible... There's been so much... I don't know if we're worth saving is really what I'm trying to get at. Okay. I got really a lot of side eyes in that room. Yeah. Um, They accepted me, but I got a lot of side <laughs> eyes in that room. But I, 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 I honestly don't... I think maybe a hard... Maybe a hard reset is a good thing. Yeah. Because we're not... But that's like Old Testament. That's straight up Noah. No, I... No, I don't. Noah, even, no, Noah, it's not. Yeah, Noah, no, it's not. No, and maybe you're right, and maybe that is hard. And I, I, I just think that there's nothing to justify the suffering that continues to this day. But do you, do you envision if another race comes along that they will not experience suffering? No, I don't. I, I envision the hope for a betterment. I don't think we can get to that betterment as a people. I think we're flawed as fuck, and I don't, and not to say that the next bunch of people or whatever it is, like fish would like who are like sentient like fish who could think really well, and, <laughs> do, do jazz hands, yeah, which is what you're doing hands, right now. Exactly. I don't know if they're they're gonna be flawed as well because I it's just inherent, right? These like weird competitive. Well, that's what we always say that it's things. part of the human condition to be right. flawed. People, hey, I don't know. People I, think dogs are perfect. That's well, they all go to heaven for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I don't know. I don't want it. I I don't want humanity to go away. But if Earth said, you know what, these fuckers are being a little bit too much, mm. and I can't even <laughs> like. So your position is that the the environment you live in should have the ultimate say. Yeah, I mean, because you're not. I mean, if the Earth is a living thing, and we seem to be not coexisting in a, a very respectful manner with it. So we are, we're the tenant. Earth is the landlord. Right now we're in court. We're in housing court. We're about to get kicked the fuck out. Listen, I've got squatters rights for a while. We've had, yeah, we've had squatters rights <laughs> in this tent. What's, like, we are a mess. <laughs> Like we're a mess. Like, yeah, we are. I guess I'm like I'm thrown by the idea of viewing the Earth as a living entity mm. versus a evolving environment. Oh, I'm full on like this Earth is like get these fuckers off my back. <laughs> yeah. Like you guys, I need to get like I'm gonna like do everything I can so you guys move out. Hmm. Um, here's a flood. 
Here's a hurricane. Here's some weird mud shit that keeps happening. But Here's then some that, fires in California. That but then, happening. like, anth- sort of anthropomorphizing the power of the Earth, mm-hmm. then is it the Earth doing it, or it's the result of actions it's that the we've of taken? Us. But I like to think of it as an action movie. Well, it's a better story. Yeah, of it's course. A better where the story. Earth is like you know, like some sort of like Death Wish, like Seven, right? And it's like, <laughs> like Charles Bronson is the Earth, and it comes like it's just like you know, why not? It's fun that way. It is fun that way. I don't know, because we are such... we. You know, the problem is, in my opinion, is like, there are options. Right. And not on our level, like on levels that are really high and they have to really focus and do it. I try not to be tribal in my thinking, but I only know, I only know who I know and then I can project those qualities onto the global population, right? Okay. So the people in my life, I feel like have a lot of value and I always assume... Um, you know, as part of my lefty liberal politics, whatever, that, you know, everybody else deserves to have those same assumptions about them that they are of value. And as far as human history, you know, we've hit this acceleration pedal in the last 200 years. And I don't know if we can say that because we've failed to start communicating and working together globally, that that makes us either as individuals or as a, a species, you know, sort of worthless. Yeah, I don't mean we're worthless. <laughs> I don't know. I really have this weird sense of justice in my mind. And maybe it's kind of harsh where it's like, you should have known better. But then that's also just another story, you know? Yeah. Like that's the, it's kind of, it's easier that it's way true, to though. give up. No, I'm not giving up. I'm still going to do my part. I got to recycle because I'm going to get a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> If I don't recycle, I get a ticket. That's right. So it's a big carrot. It's a big stick. <laughs> we are clearly not going to solve no, this problem. No, but and also I'm so I'm not walking around with just doom, anxiety, dread all the time. But I just I mean, you walked in here like with doom, anxiety, dread. <laughs> How dare you? you? And you said, it's over. It's over. I can't (laughs) even record today. (laughs) I never would say such a thing. I'm going to pump out all the podcasts I can between now and when the the ocean rises. Life jackets? Life jackets. Life jackets. Maybe. You're you're in a flood zone, right? No? Yeah. Yes, yeah. I am. I'm, you can come here. We're, am, not, we're not in a flood zone. I Queens am, really... Actually, I'm so I'm not in an evacuation zone. Okay. I am one block away from it. Oh, okay. I am, however, in a basement apartment. So. Yeah. With maggots outside the outside window. Outside the window. Not in <laughs> yeah, the No, no, not, not, not in inside. The yeah. Oh, well, we should move on to new memories, I think. Which, my new memories this week, it's, it's pretty... Doom. Lo- Doom. Doom. No, I actually have had a lovely week. Um, because <laughs> I took... I took the week off. Well, that's great. It is great. Which is why you're focusing... You've had a lot of time to focus on. Well, I didn't really, you know, no, it's, this is, I've been thinking about this stuff for a month. I really have. And no, when in my apartment, what I focused on, I had kind of random time to cook that I haven't had in a while. And so I made what my, um, in my family would have been called Spanish rice. Oh, is that yellow rice? No, it's like, um, it's basically like goulash, but with rice instead of noodles. What's goulash? What's goulash? So. I really, I'm serious. I mean, so there's, okay, legitimate Hungarian goulash is a whole other thing, which is sort of like a stewed beef with paprika and whatnot. Oh, so there's no rice here. No, but then, uh, no, they'd probably have it over spetzel, maybe. What's a spetzel? (laughs) 
Uh, Spetzel's like a, I think like a potato-y noodle kind of little tiny dumpling situation. Oh, okay. Like a gnocchi? Yeah. Yeah. A lot like that. What's a gnocchi? No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> No, so, uh, but goulash when I was a kid was yeah. like the Midwestern Betty Crocker goulash is like elbow macaroni okay. and then um, hamburger and uh, canned tomatoes and peppers and onions. But don't you guys call that a casserole? So a casserole is not like anything can be, almost anything can be a casserole if you put it in a 9 by 13 and bake it. Oh, so the size of the So like the dictates. cheesy potatoes that we have all the time. That's a casserole? That's a casserole. Yeah, I, I've never had a casserole until I met you guys. <laughs> it's pretty good, right? Yeah, no, it pretty depends. Good. On, it dep- it depends some, what's in it. Yeah, the, yeah, because sometimes like um, I'm I, yeah, I don't. I think someone bought a casserole over once, and I was a little kind of freaked out about yeah. it. Yeah, it had like green stuff in it. Green stuff in it. Oh. It might have been green beans. Oh, yeah. Well, like for the thing, like Thanksgiving, that yeah. could kind of be considered a casserole. That it's, green uh, bean bake that people it, do. I don't know. I don't want to insult any of you know. Okay. I don't it all, know what it, it was. And I didn't have it. It just freaked me out. <laughs> yeah. No, goulash. Goulash is just like something you make a big pot of right. and eat because you're poor. So then this was like Spanish rice was all the same ingredients. So, um, you know, like ground beef and or hamburger, as we would have said. Yeah. Hamburger. Um, you know, and onions and peppers and tomato and whatnot. So this I just did on the stove. I didn't bake it, which is yeah. what my mom would have done. And I put a little sausage in it instead of ground beef. Now it turned out really well and it tasted exactly where, like... Where is the rice? So the so the rice, which is what you like. Yeah. Yeah, that's not that sounded really racist, but you love rice. Oh, I'm And Rican. you love beans. And I, I, rice and beans. I love sitting next to you at a Mexican restaurant because I know you'll eat my beans. I'll, I'll eat this. I'll eat your beans. <laughs> So I made the like I I made the rice in like a high sided saute pot okay, okay. and cooked it most of the way through and then I added two cans of diced tomatoes that had hatch chilies oh. in it so it was nice and spicy and then did like chopped scallions and I added a can of green or not not green beans black beans and um, the chopped sausage. So you went in like yeah I really did yeah, it I did it up great. Yeah. yeah it was really good and I was like oh this tastes like this tastes like food my mom would make uh-huh. yeah. And then also for years, I've wanted to make this kind of like stonery snack mix where you're going to probably hate this because most people hate the sound of it. But I want to put um, goldfish crackers, nope. cashews, <laughs> God. dried cherries or dried cranberries Lord. and butterscotch chips. Oh, God. <laughs> That's like everything I don't want. <laughs> so I had never made Rice Krispie treats for some yeah. reason. I got to 40, almost one without ever making Rice Krispie treats. Yeah. So I made Rice Krispie treats and I, I didn't put the butterscotch chips in because it's too sweet. So with, you did all, you did everything you said with the Well, ingredients. I did, I did Cheez-Its instead of the goldfish, which That's I should. the same thing. It's about the yeah, same. Yeah, I would yeah. probably go with the goldfish next time because the Cheez-Its are a little too salty. Yeah. But the cashews that. were fantastic because they were like, they weren't a super crunchy nut. Yeah. And so they didn't, when you bit into this, and I made it like nice and soft, the whole, because I like softer Rice Krispie treats. And then I did um, craisins that had cherry flavoring in them too. Oh, okay. But it was fucking fantastic. Is that like a... It was so good. You used like a mallow, what is it, the... What kind of marshmallow type? It was thing? just butter with um, mini marshmallows melted into oh, it. Oh, okay. So you just yeah, use... I don't do the jarred marshmallow stuff. Yeah. And I also am a, pu- I'm a purist. Um, <laughs> people, a lot of people use uh, that jarred stuff when they make fudge. And I know it's just not what I grew up with, but like my fudge is like straight up. Straight up the, fudge. With the, yeah, with the candy yeah. candy thermometer, that kind of situation. I haven't made that in a couple of years. But yeah, so that's what, I've just had a nice low-key week and been cooking and mm-hmm. hanging out at home. Back and to your roots. and Back to my roots. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. We're going and, back. Yeah. And I'm not, let's not talk about this again, but just a little bit of doom. Just a smidgen of doom. I, you know I what? I was on the bus for a really long time. <laughs> you had a lot to think about. And I, yeah, that if you're, that there's that one stretch to get to your house where it's only a mile and it takes like anywhere from 20 to 45 minutes because it stops every block. Yeah, you should race the That'll bus. That'll make you think of doom. Like, if you get out and say, I'm going to race you and, uh, and see who gets there first, like, yeah. yeah, he'll let you back on for free. Oh, nice. But I would have <laughs> lost my seat and it was yeah. crowded. It was crowded. Yeah, that fit But anyway, bus. I can't, I shouldn't allow, I shouldn't allow buses to bring on a sense of doom. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean. It's understandable, though. MTA in New York City will do that to you, though. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. I can't, uh, you know. I can't blame you for that. <laughs> All right. Well, that's what we've got for this week, guys. And as always, thank you for listening. And um, if you want to get in touch with us, all of our social media, all of the different platforms where you can listen um, can be found from our website, brokencorners.com. Yep. And um, that's it. Yeah. Thank you. And we'll see you next week. All right. Goodbye. Bye.